2: Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, May 20th, apparently. And today we're gonna be bringing you the latest from the NBA playoffs, some recent takeaways. Plus we'll have a breakdown of the relative value of points, everyone's favorite category in fantasy leagues. Can we punt this category? Would we dare punt this category? And which players rely too much on points for fantasy value? All that's coming up. And to do it, I'm joined by Brad Stonebreaker and Ryan Kanaus, who the latter, Ryan, I think Brad and I inadvertently may have had you step deep into the night working on a spreadsheet for this episode today. Is that how late? Like, how late did this go? I feel like we we're like, hey, Ryan, yeah, do that. Cause you kind of proposed an idea. And then yeah. Brad and I were like, hey, that sounds great. Yeah, do that work and then we'll talk about it. That sounds pretty perfect to me. I
1: proposed it as like, hey, at some point in the future, maybe we could talk about punting categories and, and the relative yeah. value of different categories. And the, yeah, that that gained traction real quick. Um real, but hey, I, I, said, I was up late anyway. I mean, after that that riveting playoff game that you uh, saw yeah. that <laughs> you know. Uh, but I was up. I think the email to you guys went out at 1 30 a.m. But hey, oh, man. hopefully it'll all be
2: worth it. Riding high off your DFS winnings, also Ryan. That's true. I had some
1: success Brad. in DFS.
2: Brad, how are you? I haven't seen you in a few weeks. I don't know how long it's been. It could have been weeks. Could have been years. I'm not sure, but great to see you again.
0: It's nice to see you. I think it's only been a couple of weeks, but okay. It, it feels right. like forever, Matt. I'm not gonna lie. It
2: does. It's. A, it's. We need to get back to our our weekly phone calls, Brad. Where we just check in about life. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's, let's. So we got a big. Big doings coming up because Ryan, as I said, prepared a pretty awesome spreadsheet with the relative value of points in fantasy leagues, and we're going to break that down. We're also going to have Ryan force Ryan to publish that on NBC Sports Edge sometime in the near future, so you will be able to look at that. But before we get into all that, just quickly, let's just pay attention to the playoffs here. That's what we're going to call this, paying attention to the playoffs. The Celtics beat the Heat 127-102 on Thursday night. That was a riveting game that Ryan referenced uh 27 points for Jason Tatum and, and just a tour de force from Marcus Smart. 24 points, nine rebounds, twelve assists, three steals, a block, five threes. I don't know about you, Brad, but I kind of went from hmm, I, I was asking Raph the other day, can the Celtics get back in this series? And Raph was like, They're already in, they're still in the series. Like he looked at me kind of sideways, <laughs> like, they're still in the series. So like I, I don't know. I just feel like it so quickly goes from, well, celtics are in trouble to man the celtics look like title contenders is that are you riding that same roller coaster as i am
0: yeah a hundred percent i i see a lot of overreactions to game ones just all in all and yeah. even especially if it's a blowout everyone's like oh man like it's going to be a sweep etc but <laughs> right. boston, boston was missing two of its starters one of them being the defensive player of the year who also posted the best plus minus on the team or i'm sorry not on the team actually of the starters by quite a hefty margin so he was just a clear, clear difference maker out there, and yeah, I don't expect them to win by twenty plus every night, but I think he and even Horford out there, who had a a good plus minus as well, they're going to make quite the difference for for Boston. Yeah,
2: I think he also ended the career of Max Struess uh, with a, a <laughs> ankle breaking move there, Ryan. What, what
1: are your thoughts on this Celtics team? I'm I'm glad that Brad. Uh, Qualified his statement that Smart had the best plus minus of any starter because Grant Williams had a plus 37 and Peyton Pritchard was a plus 39 in in last night's game, too. But you're right about the overreaction. Like the narrative swings in particularly playoff NBA basketball, I find hilarious. Like I mentioned that James Harden had one good game and suddenly it's like, oh, this is why they brought him to Philly. (laughs) Like, and then Boston loses game one after going into halftime up six points, I believe, six or seven. Without two starters, as Brad said, and it was just a disastrous third quarter where the Heat just took it to them, physicality, all that. And they lost mm-hmm. the game. But sure, like you looked at it and the blueprint was there for them to win, even without Marcus Smart and Al Horford, who is on a tear. Um, so yeah, the last night, very impressive game. And now it's the Heat's turn to go back to the drawing board as they head to Boston. They need to solve some problems in a hurry uh, especially without kyle lowry i feel like their offensive point of attack is just lacking and when you're talking about a boston defense that is as good and as lockdown, and for the second half of the season they were bar none the best defense in the league there needs to be more action happening and jimmy butler is going to need to carry a huge burden for miami to win this series i think they were seven and oh without lowry before
2: that loss in these playoffs i believe anyone Anyone?
1: No. Yeah, I think, sounds, I think they were.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think there the sounds, sounds right,
1: but those wins didn't come against Boston. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, by the way, Grant Williams has really turned himself into a pretty neat basketball player. You know, I, the Cel- the Celtics, Celtics and drafting. Man, I'm pretty jealous of their front office work. They've done a fine job drafting basketball players. That Boston team, <laughs> unreal just unbelievable the the value they found in the draft remember when they drafted Jalen Brown it was like huh that's it's kind of weird that they took him that high and now look where we are yeah
1: yeah, yeah. and they they I mean they had the luxury of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown waiting in the wings so when the Kyrie situation went down like they they built that team so beautifully i live in in maine so boston's kind of my geographic team by default so i pay closer attention to them than probably most franchises and the way they've navigated this seamless transition from brad stevens moving into the front office taking on a Uh new role a rookie head coach on the sidelines and Ime Udoka, and you would you know for all the world as an outside observer it looks like just a well-oiled machine so props to the organization and
2: brad i as a Hawks fan, I thought Al Horford was on the decline like I don't know how many years ago. This is so strange <laughs> to see him just – dominating is not the right word, but just so rejuvenated in these playoffs. I want to ask you this, Brad. Are you finding yourself thinking, man, maybe, I, maybe Al Horford's got one more fantasy – at least one more fantasy year in him where I would draft him if he falls far enough?
0: You know, I I think it would be silly of me to, to say no. I, he, he was just – he was so good and I – he was totally off my board uh come this yeah. draft. I'm I I you have to assume there's going to be some sort of some sort of fall off because he's just he's getting to that point where he's old enough to where he's going to drop off a little bit each year but even if he drops off and you get him at a discount I'm I'm still all in on him if you can get him in one of those middle late rounds maybe and not overly reach for him reaching for Al Horford seems A little bit silly, but if he's as good as he was this year, then you're going to look like a genius. So it's hard to say, but I I could see him on a couple of my teams for the right price.
2: I think we're still in the right spot on the curve, Ryan, where the age is like a lot of fantasy managers will see that as a drawback, but he seems to have enough left to where you can use that to your benefit. You know That that was the wave I was riding with Kyle Lowry for a number of years, where it's like, ah, Lowry... Mm old boring but like he's been so valuable this year it, it felt like we started to see a little bit of maybe the cliff approaching um, for I think the 36 thirty six. anyways the point is doesn't yeah. feel like Horford's there yet and, and maybe we have
1: another year of, of Horford fantasy value he's one of those players like I I go back in my mind to fantasy players who defied age and I remember like Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Dirk Nowitzki towards the Mm -hmm. end of their careers they were still putting up fantastic fantasy numbers even at a time when you just every year right it was like is this the year they're going to completely drop off is this the year and Al Horford is a guy who doesn't rely on his natural athleticism now you might Take uh, offense to that, especially after watching him dunk on Giannis and and elbow right. him, and d- truly dominating uh, at, at moments. Right. But you know he he's so smart, his basketball IQ, his passing, his shot making, like all he's just a complete player who doesn't rely on physical ability full stop. So he's a guy who, as he ages and loses a step and loses a little bit physically, can still maintain and dominate a game with his mind and defensively just by being in the right position and all those things. Now, fantasy-wise, I'm not as enthused about him just because I feel like, yes, we're seeing Al Horford, but look when he's showing up in the postseason. This is what this guy cares about. He's at a stage of his career. He has nothing left to prove across 82 games. I would fully expect a tweaked ankle or elbow or whatever it might be. To sideline him for a week, two weeks next year. So I'm very hesitant. And Brad, I'll be happy to let
0: you draft him in the, <laughs> in the late middle rounds. I'm sure someone would take him before me, to be honest. But if, he, probably he, made, if, if he's floating around made. there, I, 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 I wouldn't say that.
2: This so year, so you're even higher 10, on a map. I, I mean, 10.2 points, 7.7 rebounds, 3.4 assists, .7 steals, 1.3 blocks, 1.3 threes. Good percentages, less than one mm. turnover. I just think he's. Yeah, if we get to the right part of the, dra- I'm not going to be, you know, racing you to draft Al Horford, but if and when he falls, I will, I will, sure, add him to my rosters. By the way, Tim Duncan was a great, great reference there, Ryan. Age 38 season for Duncan, 13.9 points, nine rebounds, three assists, two blocks per game, and he played 77 games. And oh, his man. age, yeah. <laughs> age 36 and age 37 seasons, he played 69 and 74 games, put up great numbers. You know, I mean. He was, yeah. he was fantastic late in his career. So that, that's a great, great call there. Friday night, we also have game two of the Mavs and the Warriors, of course. Game one was that 25 point blowout win for the Warriors, 112.87. The Mavs, after taking out Phoenix, shot 36% from the floor, 22.9% on threes. Obviously, Ryan, they're totally out of it. It's, that's the lesson we've learned. They have no <laughs> chance of getting back in the series. How, in all seriousness, how can they get back in
1: it? I mean, did Dallas not lose one game one in both their previous series in this postseason two, I believe? So they've been here before. I mean, it's just going to take other players to make shots as a team. They were 11 of 48 from downtown in game one. And a lot of those were just wide open shots that they missed time and time again. Now. You know, there a lot has been made of the box and one defense and how they bottled up Luca. And uh-huh. Jason Kidd basically said Luca knows what they're trying to do to him, he will be better. And I looked at that quote and said, notably absent is the comment that his teammates will be better. But yeah. hearkening back to what Kid said in, in the first series, he said, Listen, Luca's Falling out he needs other guys to go for the ride with him so we're gonna need spencer dinwiddie to step up and score some buckets we're gonna need guys like david bertans to knock down those threes when he gets the opportunities uh reggie block needs to hit three like they need yeah. the role players but that's the problem to me Is i look at the maps and it's like luka and role players like whereas the warriors any given night clay could go off steph could go off they could get a big game from wiggins like they have more just simply more weapons, and I think defensively are geared to stop a single dominant player like Luca. So it's going to be tough for the Mavs. But uh, I don't want to anger Steve, so I'll say that the Mavs still have a pass to win this one. Brad, strangely, strangely similar
2: to what happened to the Hawks against the Heat, I would say uh, it's starting yeah. to look uh, eerily similar there.
0: We can't stop with
2: the Luca Trey comparisons, but I mean, it's starting to you, you know, you, you in the playoffs, you start to see like the the drawbacks in these rosters. You know, it's like oh yeah, suddenly. Do the Mavs have that many that many ways to beat you? I mean, are we that scared of Jalen Brunson? Like, he's a good player, but I don't know. It's just that it suddenly starts to look kind of thin quickly when you when you play a team like the Warriors, to Ryan's point.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ryan nailed the point I was going to get across. Um, they shot 48 threes, and uh, 44 of them were either considered open or wide open in that. Yeah. And they, they still only made ah. 11 of them. Um, I, and even in like just as something as simple as making eight more threes, I know that's a huge leap. But the Mavs can make nineteen, twenty threes in a game, right. like any given night. Even if they just made that many threes, no, no things, no other things considered, that it'd be like a one point game. I think if my math uh, adds up there. So it, it I mean, just me. even just making those shots um, is going to keep them at least competitive. I'm not saying they don't need help because they, they, they Luca really does need help. I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith is capable of hitting eight excuse me, eight threes, and yeah. he had five points in, in game one. So I think he needs to be mm-hmm. better. All of the Brunson, Dinwiddie, all of them should need to step up a little bit because the Warriors just have so many weapons. Steph wasn't even, like, amazing. He double-doubled, but he was 7 of 16, and he could explode at any moment. Clay only had 15, and they still won rather easily. So I'm a little worried about the Mavs, but I think I still have faith in them that they'll uh, keep it semi-competitive, hopefully.
2: Since that game where That's he did hit eight threes, Dorian Finney-Smith has scored eight, four, five, and five points and has mm. shot, since going eight for 12, has shot, quick math, five, eight, 11, five for four. Okay, five 14 on threes. But he's just, yeah, I don't know. He caught fire that one game. We haven't seen much of him since. And with all of this said, I'm sure the Mavs will probably win game two, and we will rip all of this up and throw it in the trash, basically, I, the way this sure playoff's right. going go. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, quick note, the uh, latest blurb on NBC Sports Edge says that Luca has apparently been dealing with an illness, was dealing with an illness after game one. So that's something to, Ryan, you look like you yeah. haven't seen this. Am I breaking some news for you here?
1: The illness. Yeah, no, I did not see that. That latest blurb. I, I knew that he was grabbing his shoulder quite a bit throughout game one. Uh, looked mm-hmm. like I don't know what he was dealing with there. He's got the kinesio tape frequently up around his trap. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. But t- does it say is he questionable to play? I mean, he's going to play. Let, let's not even talk about this. He's <laughs> he's going to be out there. Yeah, I'm reading yeah. from
2: NBC Sports Edge. Kevin Harlan said on Thursday night that he heard from two sources that Luca Dunch was up all night sick after game one and was still ill on Thursday uh Mm. anyhow anywho um maybe ryan you didn't know about that blurb because you were up so late working on this spreadsheet (laughs) you haven't had bandwidth for anything else
1: maybe and maybe luca's illness is the reason his teammates shot a combined like three of 40 from downtown (laughs) Could be. well on the topic of
2: that spreadsheet we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about the value of points in fantasy leagues coming up in just a second first we'll take a
1: very quick break
0: Take off 15 discount not applicable to partner operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amic. You know. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss
1: my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a realtor can help answer. Because realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors
0: are members of the National Association of Realtors. The legends are true. (laughs)
1: Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes.
2: This is your reminder today that if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by Bet, Go, and download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in these NBA play- playoffs, in the Premier League, on the PGA Tour, and the NASCAR circuit. All right. Next item on our agenda, as I said, this is a Ryan Canal special. Ryan, <laughs> do you want to just quickly, for starters, give us just a high level overview of what you did? And I and I feel like. We have two buckets here that we really want to talk about, right? Uh, we, we, we're going to sort your list in two different ways and, and talk about our takeaways. So give us the high-level flyover of what you did. 30 minutes. Sure. Give us a 30-minute explanation of what you did.
1: <laughs> sure. Uh, I, I think you meant second. I'll, I'll go with uh, – so I, I was trying to look back and, you know, punch on- categories in a cat 9-cat fantasy is a popular strategy. So I wanted to look back at this season and see what worked, what didn't. If you were to punt different categories, who would you have targeted? You know, just get some concept of, of conceptually how is it benefiting teams or not. So I ran all the numbers for uh, standard deviations and z scores to get objective fantasy values for all the players who qualified. And by qualifying, they needed to have at least played in 20 games and averaged at least 15 minutes. Doesn't sound like much, but it cut out hundreds of players. The remaining population was about 340 players. So then I sorted by their rankings with points included and without, and then calculated the difference. Simple as that. So now you have a picture of which players benefit the most when points are included as a fantasy category and which players lose the most. And with that, I'll hand it over to you. Okay, great. Well, thanks for listening, everyone.
2: (laughs) Really enjoyed that. (laughs) All right. So, I mean, I, I feel like what we were talking about offline is that On the one hand, it's like you take points out of the equation and you see a bunch of, as you put it, Ryan, like kind of role player guys who aren't really super valuable in fantasy leagues. So let's just go down this. Let's just do the first 10 names and you'll get a snapshot of what we're talking about. New Orleans Noel, Andre Iguodala, DeLon Wright, Jared Vanderbilt, Alex Caruso, Maxi Kleba, Danny Green, Royce O'Neal, Matisse Theibel, Nicholas Batum, Otto Porter. I mean, some of those guys, a handful of those guys are guys we want on rosters in fantasy league, right? fantasy mm-hmm. leagues i mean caruso is a perfect example because you're talking about like eight points per game four assists but a couple of steals and so you can see why he's a perfect guy with which to punt points but the problem is as you continue to go down this list there are no early round fantasy guys on it there's not a single <laughs> one all mm-hmm. brad all of the early, early as much as like well we don't want to overvalue points also at the same time every elite fantasy player scores points almost without fail
0: Yeah. So, I mean, what do we do? Yeah. (laughs) You, you basically nailed that too. I mean, there's only, there's six guys in the top 50 that score like less than 16 points a game. So, those Mm -hmm. like kind of early round guys are, are like fairly few and far between, I'd say. But if you were, and also, doing a points plan just it it could work but it just seemed I don't know how fun that would be if you just draft a bunch (laughs) of guys and know for a fact they're not going to score 40 points on any given night but right anyway yeah those six guys I mean you could if you were to draft them this season I they would all be like pretty I think they'd all be pretty easy to get like like just realistically like through your draft so it's it's very interesting I mean yeah, it's also yeah. a lot of guys that focus on defensive stats in this list. I mean, Nerland's blocks, Crusoe steals, right. um, stuff like that. But it, it's it's very interesting. Ho- hopefully, people get to see this spreadsheet because it's it's really cool. No,
2: no, I changed my <laughs> mind. We're not going to publish it. We were going no. to, but <laughs> no. But we, R- Ryan is going to publish it. <laughs> but we'll the... now here's here's the other way to look at this. And Ryan, I'm I'm kind of stealing your point here. But as as you put it, one way to approach this is load up on points early, and then later in the draft pick some of these guys that, you know, I, you know Patrick Beverly is the is the number twenty one riser in terms of uh, punting mm-hmm. points. Now, that that's a perfect example of a guy who no one is going to be like you know throwing chairs aside, pushing each other aside to like go draft Patrick Beverly. But he's a he's a except, valuable. Fan. Except
1: Patrick Beverly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in his own fantasy leagues, you know right. that he's he's throwing right. furniture around his room. Gotta get right.
2: himself. But I mean, you know, you look at who else on this list do I see Mitchell Robinson? You know, Gary Payton the second. Who else? Kyle Anderson. Okay, he wasn't that fun this year. Draymond Green is you know, kind of a quintessential. Punt points guy. Right, Draymond Green though is a guy who people will draft, will mm-hmm. draft earlier in a fantasy league. But I mean, you know, T.J. McConnell, okay, lost season, but that's another guy who, you know, the pri- the prior season was a great punt points guy. Al Horford is down there on this list. I think the point is, this is sort of a Killian Hayes is another interesting guy, interesting sleeper for this upcoming season. I think it, some mm-hmm. of the names on this list, not all, are a good undervalued fantasy guys list because yeah. of the lack of points. You, it's not fun to draft these guys, but plenty of these guys are valuable. Not all of them. Like, I don't want to draft Otto Porter next year, and he's, he gains the 12th most, so it's not perfect, mm-hmm. you know? So what are your thoughts on that, Ryan? I'll shut up now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, d- just what you said. I mean, to recap your point, like, first of all, don't punt points as a strategy. Like, it's <laughs> right. not a good idea. Don't just right. let's throw that out the window, because as Matt said, there are not enough early round values. You can't build a team like that. You can't. But what you can do, as you said, is if you feel like points are locked up, say you got a, you know, uh, three guys who are going to average 25 plus points or 24 plus whatever, then you can start to apply this lens to what to going forward say okay i don't need to worry about points so let me see who might be going undervalued guys like danny green maxi kleba on and on and that's where that this list can come in handy uh and you're right like a lot of these stats are simply undervalued because they don't pop like when you see a starter score 20 plus points that's going to grab your attention every time but a guy off the bench who gets five boards and two steals you might just fly right by that Whereas in fantasy, those lines could be equivalent or the guy off the bench, those two steals are more valuable than 20 points in a vacuum. So, yeah, it's really just an interesting way to consider fantasy values and think more deeply as you proceed through your draft. What are my team needs and so forth? But in terms of just as a full-on strategy, punting points, punting can be great and we'll hopefully get there in future weeks. But points is not the category you want to target because as you've both alluded to, it's so heavily correlated with all other counting stats. Like most high volume players score a bunch of points. So mm-hmm. yeah, it just it doesn't work.
2: Yeah, it's the same thing with in a lot of cases with free throw attempts too. Follow the free throw attempts for the the true fantasy studs. Yeah. Okay. So so that's a snapshot of what it looks. Who gains when you pump points? It gives us an idea, as I said, of some undervalued guys. Let's now flip it, Ryan. In our and again, mm-hmm. we'll put this up. So you're, if you're having a hard time picturing all these names, we've referenced some of them. We're going to publish this on the site. But we're going to now flip this, if I could do that. You're going to do it, Ryan? If you do it, we're all in the same spreadsheet, right? Will we all see it that oh, way? Oh,
1: sure. Uh, I can
2: just sort real quick. I quickly. just did it, right? Do you guys see that? Yeah. yeah.
1: I see. Sure. Okay. RJ fun, Barrett loses is, the yeah. most with, without points. Right. So, so he, so he drops when we say loses. Like he's the highest loser. He drops 86 spots in the uh, rank. So he would go from geez. you know, whatever it might be a, a hundredth to 186 without points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really interesting list. Let's just let's just rattle off these
2: guys because it is an interesting combo of guys that you might say are a little overrated in fantasy, or and some really good fantasy players. So RJ Barrett loses the most when he takes away points. Russell Westbrook loses the second most. De'Aaron Fox, then Reggie Jackson, Jalen Green, Jalen Brown, Julius Randall, Karis LeVert, Tyler Hero, Kevin Porter, Bradley Beal, and Jordan Clarkson is the top 12. Mm-hmm. So my initial takeaway to this, uh, Brad, was like, as I said to you guys when we were kind of playing this out, some of those guys, not all of them, it, it seems like – we're getting kind of an idea of the overvalued guys, especially when I see, you know, RJ Barrett on there. Is is Russell Westbrook overvalued in fantasy at this stage of his career, et
0: cetera, well, yeah. et cetera? So, <laughs> where are you with all of that, Brad? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because I'd say these this half of the or this part of the list is they're more household names than the part that where we flipped it the other way, Just like slightly. Yeah, But most. I mean. I don't, uh, yeah, I mean, our, Westbrook is obviously a household name, Darren Fox, et cetera. But these are a lot of guys, I guess, more or less that depend on their scoring too much in a way that it won't help your fantasy team elsewhere. I mean, R.J. Barrett wasn't even that good when he scores, and he would have been right. ranked 328th if you punt his points, which is – I don't even know what you get out of him. Maybe a few <laughs> boards, and that's a threes, and that's it. I mean, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tyler Harrow, I'm okay drafting, uh, just because he he's he's just a really good scorer and he made that jump this year, um, just to name a couple guys. Jalen Green had a pretty horrible start to the season, but post break was fantastic. So I don't I don't know if this does him much justice, but those are just a few names I just noticed off the top of my head that you could take either which way.
2: Yeah, and Ryan, it's not like I look at all of these names and I say, well, that guy's overvalued. They're all overvalued. I mean, but it is, I guess what I'm saying is, I don't, know, I mean, John ja Morant gains 15th, the 15th most points. I don't think we'd say he's overvalued in fantasy leagues, you know, by a, a drastic amount. But then you get to Dylan Brooks and Boyan Bogdanovich. And I think you could argue those guys are a little overvalued in fantasy leagues. Maybe they're, they're a little bit hollow stat lines. So, what do, what do you take away from all of this, this flip side of it?
1: I mean, most of the guys you mentioned, with the exception of, of course, like Ja Morant and De'Aaron Fox was towards the top of this list, Mm -hmm. are either one-trick ponies where they're scorers who don't do much else, or they're scorers whose percentages are also kind of dragging them down. So when you remove the points, suddenly those negative percentages, like for Ja and Fox take on a larger you know they they loom larger because it's high volume bad percentages no longer being buoyed by the actual scoring that goes along with it um but it it's more like a, i would call this list the warning flag list like hey here are guys uh-huh. who seem overly dependent on one category and that category is one that really dazzles the eyes and looks awesome like oh daren fox superstar but he wasn't very good in fantasy last year yeah. so this is more like a cautionary list. Like, okay, let me pump the brakes before I draft these guys. Uh, and John Morantzik like, you know, and, and Fox even kind of a separate consideration. It depends whether you think there's further expansion in their games to come. I would say the same for Tyler Hero in this list and Jalen Green and a couple others. But many of these guys are just known commodities who score a lot and maybe hollow otherwise. Uh, so, like I said, I just this would be like a yellow light for me at a, at an intersection on on draft day.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think with, you know, Morant and De'Aaron Fox, at least we're getting, you know, assists, steals, threes, Giants are et huge. Yeah. And I don't know. I find Jalen Brown to be such an interesting case. We were talking about him the other day where his defensive stats actually slipped this year from, mm-hmm. I think, 1.2 steals, 0.6 blocks to one steal and 0.3 blocks, which doesn't seem like a lot, but that's half a steal and a block off of his production he suddenly this year was not an asset at all in defensive stats so (laughs) he sort of when you when you take that off the table for him and I'm not saying we're doing that permanently but he kind of gets on a little bit of a a slippery slope toward being how valuable is this guy in fantasy leagues because I think he was a six-round player this year Brad in nine category leagues so I guess let's zoom in on that one for a second uh are you optimistic about Jalen Brown
0: getting closer to early round value cuz i feel like that's where he's going to get drafted right i mean i don't think he goes past the the fourth fourth round maybe i mean maybe maybe fifth but I, even earlier some people are going to take him cuz they yeah like you guys have both said you you look at a, a guy's stat line you see the points first and foremost and you get excited about that but then you keep going and the rebounds are fine 6.1 this past season assists are they're all right then the 1.1 steals is doable at 3 blocks i mean just for someone so athletic and seemingly like all over the place you'd, you'd think he could be doing a little more um <clears throat> and his free throws aren't great I mean he's 75.8 that's fine but he has struggled in these in these playoffs as well I don't expect that to necessarily carry over like I mean Steph has struggled from the line in these playoffs and I fully expect that to not <laughs> carry over but yeah it is interesting I kind of the same case with horford there's a good chance I would let someone else draft him um before mm-hmm. he, he falls to me, but uh I wouldn't I wouldn't say no. And I think there could be a little room for improvement um in the right circumstance.
1: I think in the yeah, right go ahead, Ryan. Well I was just gonna say in the right circumstance seems like the key there because when I look at the roster construction and Jalen Brown's role, like I just don't see him taking a big leap as a playmaker, for instance. Uh-huh. Like this season, I mean the Celtics had no true point guard to begin this season. They were you know molding Marcus Smart in that direction. It it was a perfect opportunity, and Brown, to his credit, has gotten better, I think, uh, setting up teammates and finding his spots. But, yeah, I I just don't see him developing that way. And with the slippage in defensive stats and playing second fiddle to Jason Tatum, I'm not super optimistic. Plus, he's got chronic knee injuries like they yeah. the celtics have used the word tendinopathy related to his knees more than i care to recall <laughs> having having written many of those blurbs and like okay he hasn't missed a ton of games yet but a lower body injury for a guy who is still young like it just is enough to again like put a little a little uh cautionary flag on his name for me right i think i think the good a good
2: another good way to think about this list is it's it's a really good reminder to just literally look past the points take the points mm-hmm. off the table and it, it, cover up that column and look at what you're getting you know and <laughs> yeah. and uh and see when, i mean let, yeah what
1: what else what else is there when when you see 17 points per game it might as well say 0. 0.7 blocks like it, right A fraction of another stat is worth the same amount. And yet, as I'm trying to get across, right, like it it dazzles you because you see, oh, 20 plus points. And that's what people gravitate toward. And especially if you play DFS and you play points leagues, that's what's most valued. So that just reinforces points, points, points. Uh, So if you're 8-cat, 9-cat, you have to constantly be vigilant against overvaluing those players.
2: Right. Right. And it, cause, I mean, there are a lot of guys here we're excited to draft on this list as well. Yeah. And it's just it's just a matter of, you know, I mean, I don't think any of us have anything bad to say about C.J. McCollum, for example. And he's number 23 on this list. But that's because he, you know, dimes, threes, et cetera, are, are part of the equation for him. Whereas, you know, I think we can talk ourselves into like a Boyan Bogdanovich in some cases. Jordan you know, because, Clarkson, same yeah, thing. But it's like, are you really? What are you doing with that roster spot? You know, I had right. I had Clarkson in a deeper league all season long. Was it really worth it? I I don't know if it was. He would have those random explosions, which were nice. But I mean, DeAndre Hunter is thirteenth on this list. <laughs> we were talking about him the other day. That's
1: a classic hollow points fantasy guy. What happened there, Matt? Let me let me just lean to you because <laughs> he wasn't hollow the year prior, right? Like I I feel like he has the potential to be a well-rounded fantasy option and we saw it for stretches but what yeah what went wrong i'm gonna go i'm gonna go back to that year because i feel like
2: his his rebounds and assists were like have never been good right but it was okay. it was just slightly more passable it was didn't take you know, much to knock him off it was more like <laughs> and he had two seasons that that year that he was last season that he got hurt he only played 23 games. And after he came yeah, back, he, his, his, numbers, his numbers took a hit. But he was closer to, you know, five assists, two a five rebound, two assists per game guy. This mm-hmm. year, he averaged 3.3 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 0. 0.7 steals, 0. 0.4 blocks. Same number of assists as turnovers this year. Just brutal stuff. And in the playoffs, I, I looked this up the other day. I haven't don't have the updated version, but the top 50-something scorers the the guy with the least assists out of all of them was DeAndre Hunter in the playoffs, 0.6. Wow. And there were only a few guys under one assist yeah. per game in the playoffs and and he had he had I'd, the fewest per game. I'd put that on a will not draft list. <laughs> Man, and if you watch him play, like, there's a chance he comes back better next year because of health reasons, etc. This is a guy who's had a lot of injuries, but again, mm-hmm. that's another that's another red flag right there. So, yeah, he he's He's truly a stay away for me this upcoming season, and if I'm proven wrong, I'll be a happy Hawks fan and I'll take the loss in fantasy. Brad, any anything else you want to kind of call out here or or mention on either side of this before we go? I'll I'll, I'll go to each of you for a parting thought before we get out of here because I think we've we're not going to cover every name here. And as as we said, you can read this on the site. So what's your what's your parting thought here, Brad?
0: Yeah, I mean, real quick, the on the <clears throat> DeAndre Hunter front, he had those two big games to end the postseason, especially mm-hmm. the last one, 35 and eleven with three steals. Yeah. Do you think that's going to move the needle? Not maybe not for you guys because we've talked about it, but for other other managers out there, do you think, hey, maybe he'll carry over a couple big games and improve, or do you think it's a little a little fluky more than anything?
2: My theory, and I, I don't, I'm only basing this on having watched the games is Miami wanted the ball in DeAndre Hunter's hands. My, my, I, I can envision a coaching, a meeting where they're like, make that guy beat us. Make that guy beat us. Because he's not a good passer. He's turnover prone. And we saw it. I mean, he did almost, to his credit, almost single-handedly lift the Hawks to a win there. He was yeah. incredible. But yeah. I feel like Miami was just funneling everything towards him and saying, if that guy beats us, then, then we'll go down that way. So that's my theory. I mean, it was nice to see that it was in there. He looked great in that game. You know, oh, that's the guy you drafted fourth overall. But it's just that guy hasn't been around. So I, I just I don't know why I would take that one game and say that's who he is now. To me, it's more <laughs> yeah, like he he went all out. He was he was absolutely unconscious in that game. And it was great to see. Maybe, you know, he reminded us there is more of a ceiling than what we saw this year. But I will err on the side of skepticism until I see otherwise. Mm hmm. Maybe he has a great off season. He he could easily have a great off season. Sorry, Ryan. This topic gets me so riled up because <laughs> he <laughs> no, was like fine. he was one of the Hawks' untouchable guys like a little over a year ago, right? And it's so yeah. weird how what a, again it's the roller coaster theme. You know, a year Locked from now down. I might be like that dude yeah. is awesome. Sign him to a long term extension. Give him a max. I don't know, but for now, in terms of fantasy, i I'm, I'm taking the cautious approach.
1: In terms of fantasy I'm with you cuz you're right in reality you're like a potential lockdown perimeter defender who can switch everything hit threes if need be like a yeah. you know th- 3 and D guy with with greater size than most um and there's a part of me that has experienced him being really good in fantasy for whatever it was a couple months a couple yeah. of years ago where I'm like oh it's in there and he's still yeah. young so maybe it's just a question of health maybe it's just a question of role but when you combine all these things and the long stretches of futility, we've experienced, um, this is a proof is in the pudding thing. I need to see it before I'm, I'm back on board with him. Yeah. All right. Well, I didn't know we were going to blow this out into a long Deandre
2: Hunter discussion, but yeah, I'm the,
1: <laughs> the whole final third of the pod, that's the
2: title. Anyone, anyone have any final <laughs> non Deandre Hunter thoughts that you want to impart big or small picture, any, anything left.
1: I'll just say as Matt has alluded to a couple times I'm going to post all this data on the site as a column so you can go and look at the punt points uh, information who benefits who who doesn't and make of it what you will. I'm also going to follow this analysis through and do the punt analysis for every other category and yeah you know some of them are better than others and there's a reason why uh, as I mentioned to you guys before taping, why the sub-zero categories like free throw percentage and field goal percentage and turnovers are simply easier and frankly better to punt because there's more value there. Right. The worst you could have done for a Z score for points this year was 1.4 or minus 1.4 rather the worst you could that you could have done for free throw percentage, which was Mason Plumley, the league's worst was minus 4.1. So a huge difference in, potential value when you ignore a uh, free throw percentage versus points or rebounds or anything that can't go negative. Uh, so that's something else I'll explore in the columns in the coming weeks. Clearly you're talking about the right-handed shooting Mason Plumley.
2: I don't know if you saw <laughs> him, his late season switch to left-handed it free did. throws, but it was something <laughs> yeah. special, something yeah. very special. He kind of became automatic. Did it, has anyone done the numbers on what he shot left-handed on free throws? <laughs> oh, I'm sure someone has, you. I wish I had it's it a shoulder me. shot rest the ball on his shoulder. It's like shot put. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, to to that end, Brad and Ryan, I just was going to say, I think we should do a percentages one the next time you're on here, Ryan. I think we should do one of the percentages. Probably free throw to. percentage. Free throw percentage feels like the next the next big frontier <laughs> that, we <laughs> next to, that we need to the next evolution in run. punting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's right.
1: Talk I feel about like it.
2: that's the one. That feels like yeah. the one that's most intriguing where can you build an absolute super team this way
1: absolutely and it also leads to the question of well it's the most popular category to punt if you're going to punt you usually gravitate towards free throw percentage so are you now vying for the same small pool of players with two to three other managers in your league uh so that's another probably another thing we'll have to address
2: yeah and and i'd be interested in like what does a a blocks punt look like you know what is Ken, is there such thing as a feasible assist pont? It sounds like we have about yes, eight or nine. Yes, there podcasts is, in and I,
1: I look forward to talking about it. Okay, <laughs>
2: sounds like we have about an eight or nine up eight or nine podcast series yes. coming up okay. here. Is my ballpark number I'm going to put on it?
0: That's a good guess,
2: Matt. All right, Brad. Anything else from you?
0: I think we covered everything. Yeah, yeah. That,
2: that's it for me feel good about it all right well call me over the weekend we'll chat let's let's catch up <laughs> okay right, that's gonna do it for us on this episode don't forget to subscribe to showing up podcast on spotify wherever you listen take a minute to rate and review us as well we're gonna be back here on monday wednesday and friday of next week with much more from the playoffs and uh big picture fantasy strategy etc ryan do we have anything else we want to promote on the podcast coming up next week or are we good there we're good for now, Matt. There might be okay. more in the future. We're good for now. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and for watching live with us. As we said, go check out uh, coming soon-ish. We think Ryan is going to post these on the on the site, NBC Sports Edge, in column form, so you can read these glorious, glorious charts that he stayed up till all hours of the evening composing. <laughs> Thank him for doing that. Ryan, Brad, thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt.
1: Thanks, Matt.